Welcome to this week's episode of the HC Hive, a podcast about all things HCI, UX, and grad school. We're now in Hershali, students in Georgia Tech's Human Computer Interaction Program. In this episode, we will be talking about virtual and augmented reality. Today, we are joined by Morgan. My name is Morgan Chen. I am a second year student in the Georgia Tech MSHCI program. I'm on the LMC track. And before this program, I was actually teaching for a few years. So that was really fun. And then found my way here and then found my way to ARVR. So it's been a nice, smooth little journey. Great. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Morgan. Um, we're really excited to have you join us on this episode of the podcast. And thanks for providing that kind of high level view of like how you got into HCI. And then it's always really interesting for us when we hear about people who came from backgrounds, like you mentioned, you had, you were a teacher and like had education prior to coming here. So it's always interesting to see how people end up in UX. But yeah, so to start us off, we'd like to dig a little bit deeper um, into your specific background. So could you tell us a little bit maybe about how you discovered your love for AR and VR? Was it through school, <laughs> hobbies, or maybe just like professional experiences? Yeah, I can definitely share that. So, wow, I think it was so funny, actually, because I remember the first couple weeks of school, I kept hearing people talk about like, I want to do VR, I want to do AR. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't really even know what that is, but <laughs> I definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> um, and then I don't know what happened, but I feel like I just started looking into it more and I realized how awesome it could be if it was utilized in the classroom and K-12 education and like how it could really engage students in learning and just help teachers to provide a way to teach content like in a way that they never have before. And it helps them move from like the 2D space and really open up the possibilities. And so I got a little interested in it. Then that first semester, we we're like, hey, let's add this AR component to our first semester project, which was to help people who have low vision find things in like a grocery store and use a checkout kiosk. And so we thought about how we could use AR to kind of help them navigate the store and that was really interesting. And then the next semester, I was in mixed reality, and I did an AR project collaboration with architecture students. So we'd go to their studio, and they would build, they built this huge, like, pavilion. And then me and another student worked on an AR installation that kind of transported you back in time. It was for this installation that they're trying to bring awareness to lynching that happened in the United States. So we created this AR experience that put you in the mind state of like someone who's about to be lynched to help you understand their point of view. And I just absolutely loved it. And then I interned this past summer at a internship where I worked in VR and it just like solidified everything. So I think it just kind of happened naturally. And it's crazy because I was so against it. And then here I am in VR and AR. That's really interesting about how you approached VR first from like an education perspective because I feel like as you mentioned you know a lot of people come into this program and into HCI in general you know thinking like AR VR is what I want to work on and what whatever but like I feel like you came in with like this is this is the contest in which I want to use AR VR as a tool you mm -hmm. know like I don't I, you know, not just this technology for the sake of building this technology, but as a tool for another context and another environment. And I guess that came through in like the, the project you mentioned with like the kiosk or even, you know, 
bringing to light this like historic event or you know this just this like issue in our society mm -hmm. uh, so it's it's cool to hear how you've seen augmented reality or virtual reality as like a medium for other types of interaction or information sort of like communication even rather than the technology itself so it is really cool to hear that but sort of to sort of build on top of that like how what, what do you think is kind of the relationship between hci and the stuff that we study with this new technology and like what is kind of the overlap for you and your experiences there yeah, that's a really great question. I feel like HCI, just from the way that I look at it, is about designing things that are really easy for people to use. And just build, building on those patterns that people are already familiar with that are out there in the world to improve products, interfaces, you know, everyday things. And I feel like it's so similar for AR and VR, but you're designing for 3D and you're trying to make it usable for people who are coming into that environment. But sometimes things don't directly transfer, so you have to kind of figure out how to make it work. And it's a little different because you have to really orient people to the space that they're in when they're in VR to make sure that they understand, you know, like what's going on. You have to think about how they're going to interface with their environment and use different things, different tools in that environment. There's not a ton of hard and fast rules. So that's the thing I love about it is like this is, I mean, I wouldn't say new, but like relatively newer space. And so you're kind of innovating as you go. Like typically if you're designing an app, you have hundreds of apps that you can go to, pattern libraries, you know, just r rules of different things that you should do. But in VR and AR, that's not always the case. So you could be like forging the path in this space and something new that has never existed before. And you're kind of making up the rules as you go. And I think it's super, super fascinating. To be honest, I have worked on a lot of like different things and that's really been the case every time. Like my master's project is on making a VR tool for educational technology for K through five students. And I feel like it's thinking about, okay, how are these students going to navigate this environment, which is something they don't typically interact with in 3D, but also learn what they need to learn, which are the state standards that they have, that their teachers are trying to teach them. Like, how can I impart both of these things here? So it gets really fun, really, really interesting. Yeah, I, I bet. Just to sort of follow up on that. So it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that you know, augmented or virtual reality is kind of this new technology or newer, you know, where it's a new sort of field within HCI, which also feels kind of new in and of itself. But at the same time, like when you design these technologies in a way, you're trying to recreate reality, right? The whole idea of virtual reality or augmented reality, right? And so I, I imagine that users come in with like their history of interaction with the real world. So in, in your experience, how has what has that process been of translating kind of real world interaction into a virtual or augmented space? Like what is kind of that process for you? Yeah, that's such a good point. I don't really know if I have a set process. I feel like with every project I've done, I've kind of come from it at different angles. A lot of times I just try stuff and realize like, oh, that's not going to work. User testing really, really helps a lot. I mean, of course, in general, in HCI, it's important. But in this space, it's so, so important because like I said, you know, there aren't those hard and fast rules. And so you kind of need to know what works and what doesn't work. I remember one project that I was testing out this summer actually they were trying to translate a menu in a VR space, but 
they wanted to also translate that you're in this like real world and, and they want it to feel real. So they're not going to have a menu just kind of hovering in the middle of the air. So what they did was mm -hmm. they put it on your arm. And so when you picked up your controller, your arm, quote unquote, would appear and like you could press a button and the menu would appear. So it's almost like you have to consider what are people doing with their hands? Like, how are they using their hands? Can they use their hands as controllers in this environment? Like, you want it to feel as real as possible. But a lot of it is trial and error, just trying things and saying, like, okay, that doesn't work. That's not realistic. Let's try this. A lot of iteration, I feel like, which I think is a ton of fun. And so I wouldn't say I have a process. I kind of just try things. And if it doesn't work, I try something else. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, I think like trial and error within every project, like you mentioned, Morgan, experimentation is always super helpful. I find it really interesting when you talked about how with, I think you, we talked a little bit or you touched on like designing like digital things like with apps or things that have like screen-based things or like web technologies, like there's specific kind of like principles or specifically like usability principles that we might follow within like HCI. But it's interesting to hear like when you're talking about like user feedback for AR and VR, or more specifically VR, how it's like, you're not just thinking about like what they're interacting with, but like how to put your users within a new reality is what I'm mm -hmm. guessing is what I think, mm -hmm. like with your example with uh, the menu, like I, I never thought about it that way. Like, wow, let's put like an arm in there. So then they can like click on the buttons that they need in order to like navigate through the space. So yeah, it's very like, not to sound cliche, but it seems like so multi-dimensional yeah yeah and I guess like just kind of on top of that since you mentioned like getting feedback from users and things like how do you go about like testing the different prototypes you made within these type of AR and VR projects yeah that's such a great question which has gotten so interesting with COVID so <laughs> this summer it was really awesome because we kind of just tested other teams products and projects which is really nice so we would kind of just go into the VR headsets, you know, go into this like simulated environment, test it out, give feedback. And that really, really helped. I mean, you also could have those users who have those headsets and you could send that simulation to them, that prototype to them, and they could test it out as well. I think for my master's project, I ran into this issue with COVID where the designing for education, oh my gosh, I can go on this whole rant about this, but like... The schools most likely don't have headsets. So now you're kind of doing this whole web VR thing that you need to, to do to get students to be able to use VR and to get them to test it is such a pain. So I have to like publish it to some like public space, like maybe the Unity community, but then they shut that down. So it's like, okay, what do I do now without like having to send it to some formal place like an app store or like something like that. Actually, I started off doing AR for my project, but had to pivot because we weren't in person. So it's like, how am I going to watch you on a video, hold up your phone and look through the phone and see AR and then like watch? That's a lot. It was a lot going on. So that got really tricky. I think if I was in person, my plan was to have like a headset and let them use it to test it and or a phone and use it to test it. And I have interacted with some other people 
who work on projects. And that's typically what they do is like you come, you sit, you use their headset, you test it, you get feedback. But then when COVID comes, it kind of just makes everything crazy. Yeah, that's that's so true. Especially like the additional hurdle you just mentioned about like since we are remote because of COVID, like when you had to test like your prototypes and your different projects with your users, it's so important that they have access to the technology that like you're designing. Mm -hmm for and like that type of medium so yeah that's a really interesting point you brought up I really admire that you even though you have pivoted from AR to VR you still stuck with this space yeah it's really great but yeah I I'm sorry just like another follow-up but since you're working with like K through fifth graders for your project mm-hmm. like did you find that like they were pretty open to this type of technology yeah so I had to create a student ascent PowerPoint, which is basically like for research, you have to get the kids permission to participate in a way that they understand. It's like I couldn't give them these forms. I had to make like a whole PowerPoint of me talking and explaining what was going on. And a lot of them, when they when we got to the point of like, okay, we're going to be working with AR or VR, and I would show a video of like what it was, they would get so excited. And some of them had experience, like their mom or dad had an app on their phone that they played with in AR, or maybe one person had a headset, and so they knew kind of what that was. But the kids were so, so, so excited. I mean, I didn't really have to do much. I just said, you know, we're making this science tool. You know, this is what AR and VR is. It's going to be this. Are you interested? And they're like, yes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) One student we tested with, her mom told me that she has been asking her every week when she's going to get to play the VR game again with the dinosaurs. Like, I think that is hilarious. But it really speaks to the power that AR and VR has in education and in the classroom to engage students in a way that teachers probably cannot in a regular 2D um, space or with 2D materials. But that's so interesting to think about just because I wonder in like 20 years, right, when we have another generation, I wonder how that's going to impact like the usability or specifically like the learnability of technology like AR and VR, which feels futuristic to us. Right. Right. Yeah, I wonder if like, you know, people who design this technology and like, you know, people like you, Morgan, I I wonder if you're going to have to learn like a whole new set of principles to design around. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Because even like accessibility in AR and VR is not great. Like it's just almost not a thing. So I can imagine that in some years there will be those like hard and fast rules that we're now all having to learn or maybe they're rules that we created along the way. And so we don't have to learn them because we had to come up with them. But the people who come after us, that's what they will learn when they decide, oh, I want to do VR or AR. Mm-hmm. That makes it a really interesting field to work in, I guess, because you're doing like such foundational work regardless of where you are Mm. interesting so in i guess in the spirit of that like for people who want to get into ar vr especially in the hci community what's kind of like your advice or like some resources that you would kind of encourage them to check out or point them towards great question it can feel super intimidating i was there and it's like i don't know where to start i would just say start like What I would do is, you know, download Unity if that's your game engine of choice or your development platform of choice. Maybe learn something like Blender where you can make 3D models of your own. You can also get them for free online. I would find YouTube videos and just start making stuff. Like, 
when I started, I would just have a YouTube video up of someone making something in Unity or in Blender, and I would follow along on my computer, and I would just literally play it at like 0.5 speed. <laughs> I can't even do normal because I didn't know what I was doing and just follow with what they're doing. And like after doing that a couple of times, you get confidence to, to play around in the tools yourself. I would also say, don't be afraid to ask for help. Like I reach out to one of our classmates all the time with my VR AR questions. I know that I don't know everything and I feel like it's okay to be okay with not knowing everything like you're never going to know everything there's always going to be someone better than you that doesn't mean you shouldn't start so just start like you could even do small things where you put in a cube put some three spheres that are like balls on top and move them around like make them so that you can interact with them and that's it and that's small but it would take some time to do and to be a great place to start and then maybe in the next few weeks you add on to that and you add on to that and you keep going until you have like this whole full experience. Honestly, that's my best advice. I say just go for it. Just start. Follow YouTube videos. There's so many out there that you can watch that they will walk you through step by step what to do. And don't be afraid to reach out to people. I've actually joined also a Discord community of people who do virtual reality using like a certain platform. And we all just like throw questions in there and just help each other out. And everyone's really supportive. Hmm. So like, as somebody who's like never done AR or VR stuff, like, is, is it like a coding heavy field? Or is it a design heavy field? Like, what are kind of like the basic skills that you use kind of in your day to day work? Yeah, so this is one of my like pet peeves. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So typically you think like you need to code, you need to be able to program. And that is not entirely true. It's really not true. I cannot code. I mean, I've taken an intro to Java class. Like I can do a little something, something, but like, don't ask me for anything crazy. Cause I probably can't do it. Like I use something called Playmaker, which is visual scripting. I mean, it's based off of coding. Yes, but it's all visual. It's like, clicking things, linking things together, using logic, like, and I hate when people say, like, you have to code, like, one class I wanted to take, was it last fall, maybe, and I was asking the professor, I think there may be one or two classes, do you need programming experience, and the professor literally wrote, like, you should not take this class if you can't code, and now that I'm in the space, I feel like that is not a thing that you should say to people, because there is things like visual scripting, and it's really discouraging people from underrepresented populations who know nothing in general about the tech field, but then get into it and they just found out about it maybe a few months ago and now they want to do AR, VR and you're telling them, oh, you need to know this, you need to know this, you need to know that. It's so discouraging and it's not true. Like, it's really not. Yes, you can learn how to code if you're interested but now there's Playmaker, there's Bolt. I'm sure there's other things that you can use to script visually. At my internship this summer, they use Unity and they don't code at all. I don't know what they've done because I wasn't really paying attention, but they did something to it that is also visual scripting. So it's like, why are you telling people this? <laughs> no, you just need the will to do it. I feel like with anything, the desire to learn and you can learn. I do think visual design skills help. I do think understanding like that coding logic can help you, but if you don't have those skills, it's not to say that you can't learn them. Yeah, that's that's a really great point you just brought up, Morgan. Like, because I feel like a lot of people 
there's this misconception, myself included, that like I thought AR and VR was kind of like inaccessible from both like having from like a participant level in the sense of like mm-hmm. just even recruiting participants who like have these headsets or have the technologies to test your prototypes. Yeah. But you brought up another point of like people think it's not as accessible because they're like, oh, I'm not a strong coder or like I don't have mm-hmm. the skill set. But it's really, it's great to hear that it is like a lot more accessible with this like visual scripting and like being able to like, yeah. I'm assuming like dragging and dropping or kind of just connecting things together in order to make um, things work within your design. So yeah, that was really good. I had no idea about that. So now I feel like through our conversation and through learning about your experiences, you've convinced me to like try ARVR. Yes, try it. <laughs> and like, I'm I'm like looking for someone to take over my master's project and I've been sure in all my posts to make sure people know that you need no coding experience because I don't I hate when there are those positions that like you really want to go for but you don't have xyz qualifications and people act like you can't learn those things like last August I could not use unity like I was using other stuff to simulate VR now I know how to use Unity. I know how to use Blender. I learned all that from YouTube and I still can't code. So I feel like if you want to do it, do it and don't let anybody stop you. Yes, that's right. That's great advice. And yeah, wow. From August till now, I mean, that's huge growth there, Morgan, that you were able to. It's risky. Yeah. That was my master's project. <laughs> it's either you're going to get it or you're going to fail. Yeah. yeah, that's so true. Though. I mean, like not just outside of like ARVR, like I would totally second that sentiment because like I when I first joined HCI I had no physical prototyping experience and I just threw myself in that physical prototyping elective and did similar to what you were talking about like we had to do like 3D modeling within the space and having to watch tutorials I don't even know if I did 0.5 I think I had to do 0.25 because (laughs) even like the way it was was so fast because they're like zooming in and out and I didn't want to miss anything because I didn't want to mess mm-hmm. up or have anything look slightly off. And I think part of it too, like for me personally, I was like, they can't know that I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. But but yeah, so it's really, it's cool to hear like kind of this overlap of like these skill sets that we can transfer from all of these different areas. But yeah, kind of, I guess going to the next question, we're going to go into our favorite part of the podcast, which is the hot take. And I was going to ask you about a misconception about AR or VR that drives you crazy, but it seems like we kind of touched on it a little bit. Yes. But I guess outside of that, like for both you or um, Harshala, if you want to chime in, like, is there a specific like misconception or even just like things you hear about AR, VR that you feel like isn't right or um, you wish like people just like didn't, I guess, describe this type of technology that way no I feel like that was my that's my one thing like the rest of it it doesn't really bother me I'm like whatever but it's the coding piece that really grinds my gears (laughs) yeah no I can I can see that it's very like gatekeepy you know yeah I think my I would say my sort of hot take on this is that I feel like Morgan you actually mentioned this like earlier in the episode Mm -hmm. where you said you know a lot of came into the program being like, I want to do AR VR mm-hmm. and like, you know, it it feels almost buzzwordy. Yeah. You know? Like it's getting to that point where it's like you don't really know what this technology is. Yes. Or like you you haven't like people will throw that these terms around, but I feel like thinking about it as a technology that facilitates something else. I think like people usually don't think that far. Yeah. You know, people are I want to work in the space, but like for to what end? You mm-hmm. know, like for what I think that's like a that's a that's a trend I'm seeing right now which is a little a little annoying 
I totally agree. Yeah, I remember yeah. like the first day people that- were like, I'm doing mixed reality. And I was like, what is mixed? What are you combining together? <laughs> um, yeah, I would I would definitely agree with that for both you and both you, Morgan and Hershali. Like it, I feel like when people start throwing these terms around, like it does become very buzzword because it's like why it feels weird that you would focus on a specific technology within like a human or user-centered program rather than the other Mm -hmm. way around like the way you were describing it Morgan like you found that through like your research and like the different spaces that you were interested in AR VR was something that could be used as a tool to facilitate like learning for example so using it as a tool rather than like the other way around I feel like and isn't that something they always tell us in our first semester class and we just ignore it when everyone jumps (laughs) to the solution and the technology and they're like you need to make sure that this is the best way to solve the problem or like this is the technology you should use and I feel like I finally have come to understand that because you could do anything in AR like I could I can literally draw a picture put it in Adobe Arrow and bam I have (laughs) AR right like but should you do that? Like, is that the best way to solve this problem? And I felt like with my master's project, I had to justify why am I choosing AR or VR to do this? And it's because, you know, I cannot transport my class to an actual fossil dig site, have them dig up fossils, brush them off, make inferences, put them in a fossil museum without a lot of effort on the teacher's part to like build all of that out somewhere maybe on the playground it's unrealistic like for something like that it would be so much easier to have a virtually simulated environment that is really close to the real thing that students can actually engage in because just watching it is not the same thing so I definitely agree it's like thinking about why you're using this tool to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish and is this the best way to do it Mm. That actually brings your other project that you worked on to mind with the lynching and like the whole issue of kind of like racial injustice. How do you think like AR and VR is going to speak into, you know, like social inequality or kind of these like social challenges that we're facing? Because you're right, it is so powerful at sort of bringing to life these experiences that maybe are so removed from our day-to-day lives, you know? And where do you see that? sort of moving forward. Yeah, this is so good. Actually, this summer, I watched this wonderful VR movie. I feel like it was called Traveling While Black, but I could be wrong. I don't know. It was excellent. And it just took you through the point of view of like someone, you know, traveling while they're Black and like the different things that they experience. And I feel like VR and AR can be used to put you into a perspective or point of view that you could not have on your own. And Mm -hmm. it can really help you to empathize with people who are different from you, from different cultures, different backgrounds, different races. And I feel like in this current climate, you know, with the different social justice issues that we have, it could be such a powerful tool to leverage that. And from the design side, this is also something we explored this summer is like, how can we make VR more inclusive? And it kind of boils down to like, what conversations are you having around this technology and who is included in those conversations? Is it a bunch of people who look exactly the same? Are these diverse conversations? Are you designing with diverse people in mind? Simply down to creating prototypes and the image that you place in there in the prototype just to test it out, 
who is that person? Is it an underrepresented minority or is it someone a part of the majority who typically is always there? Like that representation of, hey, I'm black, black people, they use VR too. But do I see myself represented in that when I go into my Oculus or whatever headset and I go into the store and I look at the games? What are the things that I'm seeing there? Like the avatars, the characters, they look like me. Do they reflect my natural hairstyles? You know, like that kind of stuff matters. And there's so many little things that you can do. Even down to like, like I said, including people in these different groups, in these conversations, when you're developing these new tools, you're, you're making sure everyone has a seat at the table and everyone's perspective is heard. And you're testing these systems out on everyone. Like, for example, when I do Zoom, even like with Zoom backgrounds, a lot of times I disappear into the background because it's almost like when it first came out, they didn't test it on any black people. So I, I can't do the background because I become the background. And it's simple stuff like that, that like you could do to make the technology more inclusive. So follow up to that. I don't know if this is going off the deep end. Maybe it is, but, <laughs> but so like when you construct a VR space, right? Like when you're in Unity and you're creating an environment, mm -hmm. are you trying to emulate the reality that exists or are you trying to create a specific reality? Maybe not so much in like the gaming space where it is very like you have that creative space to, you know, kind of do whatever mm -hmm. you want. But like if you're creating, say, an educational tool or like a historic kind of like documentary or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. are you, you personally, do you aspire to reflect the current reality as it is or do you want to create a more ideal version where everybody's represented or you know like have a more equal distribution of even races or genders like what is your sort of thinking there yeah that's a great question i think i definitely try to design for an ideal world in which we're all equally represented and especially making sure that underrepresented minorities are there and that there's diversity i know for my project i was trying to find a scientist just for the game and all i could find were like these old white guys or like evil <laughs> mad like white scientists or like you know it just and it's like where are the hispanic scientists where are the women where are the disabled scientists where like there's just so many people missing from this and so i ended up having to download like the only woman i could find that would work and change her skin color i mean it's just crazy so i feel like that's a lot that i shouldn't have to do that in this day and age but you do but i will do it like i go that extra mile to recreate what exists but to enhance it to make it ideal like the way that I feel like the world should be, which is diverse, which is, I think it's beautiful when it's diverse and there's lots of different people represented. So that's what I try to design for. Yeah, I really like what you just said, Morgan, about like when you're creating this reality, at least like for your projects, enhancing your reality to make it in your eyes, like what is ideal? And I just really like mm -hmm. that quote. I don't think I, I think you definitely like said it more eloquently than how I paraphrased it, but I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I think that was. <laughs> a really good takeaway and I also wanted to add like just outside of like AR VR I there was something you said that like really struck me it was about like I think making sure that the people not only within like I guess the space that you're creating there's like a diverse population but then also who's involved in the conversations when you're creating that space 
I think that's so important because I think even like in our classes, we talk a lot about how like, oh, make sure you, when you test with your users, you have a really representative population and you like account for all these different like instances or like fact in order to Mm -hmm. make sure everyone, it's not necessarily like equally represented, but at least like you touched on a couple of different like Mm -hmm. groups within your population. But we don't, I feel like we don't really talk about like making sure the people who are involved in the project are also like is also a diverse group so maybe that's my hot take actually that like that's really missing just overall but but that's not a that's not a misconception about ARVR that's just me me just me being (laughs) angsty about about the makeup of like UX and HCI sometimes well I mean what does the ARVR like space look like the community itself like is it a bunch of like dudes that are programming or is it like is it a diverse space like I I don't I have no idea I could not answer that question generally for everyone I know what I've seen is a lot of men a lot of men so I think there's (laughs) definitely room for improvement but I won't make a general statement there yeah Great. So as we wind down the episode, we just want to say thank you to Morgan for joining us on this episode. This was super thought provoking and just really positive. And I think I went into this episode thinking it would be a certain type of conversation, but it it really turned into something new and something way more thought provoking. So thank you so much, Morgan. Of course. Yeah, this was a very fruitful conversation. And like I mentioned before, I think Morgan successfully convinced me to try ARVR. So I'm very excited for that. Throw back to when we had those, we had our like game designers and avid gamers, because unfortunately I haven't touched a game. So we'll just end it there. But, and to all of our listeners out there, tune in next time for an episode about narratives in UX research. Because if you know, you know. And if you don't, yikes.